for a time to time and make it look frizzy and everything. See, like your edges is like smooth. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I yeah, I guess, and I didn't actually try to smooth out my edges today. Usually, I put a little bit of oil or um, a little bit of like edge cream on there. I don't like the gel; it's too crunchy for me. So I like a cream because I like a nice soft touch to my curls so that like if you want to put your fingers in it and just like <laughs> it, do that like comfortably never oh gosh yeah crunchy reminds me of like 90s yeah. and early 2000 boys all the but, fucking gel that they would put in their damn hair and it's just like, I, that's I, I became a crunchy <laughs> right you would come out the shower and just like go yep crunch <laughs> up with all the gel like aqua dab or like whatever the fuck I just that bottom came to my hair because i used to get my washing sets oh yeah <laughs> what's your See? hair do Black women have always known and they know from like fucking infancy how to take care of their hair, right? A lot of people of color and white people, it takes a long time for them to figure it out, for them to figure it out how they're supposed to be taking care of their motherfucking hair. Welcome to the weekly show about art, politics, and pop culture from a phenomenally female perspective. I'm Eliane. I'm Shantae. I'm Sarah. I'm Lauren Ashley. I'm Katie. And this is Unapologetically She. everybody to episode 12 look at us go we're rocking it out this week um of unapologetic sheen this is katie and we are bringing this kind of a unique episode we had this idea a couple weeks ago to talk about some female musical artists that have impacted our lives so we thought we would focus on that today um and so it's just a special that's what we're talking about today nothing no shot chaser no drink of the week just just talking about women that are kicking ass in music. And let's start it out. Which, which the has got for some of your favorite music artists? Okay. This was, I'm like, how do I contain myself to only <laughs> about 45 minutes? Because you could just put me on, put press play, and I will just keep going till the tape caught. Okay. <laughs> um, ah, okay. So, Female artists have really honestly always been my favorite. I have a list of just like all my favorite divas. Mm-hmm. I have playlists upon playlists upon playlists. So I'm going to start off with the always iconic, incomparable, will never be motherfucking topped, Whitney Houston. There you go. You cannot start. Ah, <laughs> you cannot go wrong with Whitney Houston. I love the powerhouse singers. Okay. I love a artist who has talent. Okay. I don't need a studio creation. I don't want to hear your auto tune. I want to know that if I go see you in concert and you belt it out live and in person, that you're going to sound as good as or better than the album that I heard, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. And Whitney Houston is one of those artists who she sounds better in person than she does on a recording. Like, holy shit. What's your favorite Whitney Houston song? Oh, geez. That, that's like almost sacrilegious to ask, I feel like, because I don't know if you can narrow it down. Um, hmm. Well. I can give you mine. Yes, what's yours? This is a hard one, right? Because, like you said, it's Whitney fucking Houston. <laughs> Every song that she makes is bomb as fuck. But my all-time favorite that I can play, and it makes me, it makes me cry. It makes me dance. It makes me want to scream, and and not dance in like the traditional way. 
I mean like dramatic reading. (laughs) (laughs) It's I have nothing. Oh, from the bodyguard soundtrack. Yeah. Everybody loves I Will Always Love You from the bodyguard soundtrack. But for me, it's I have nothing. Like that song gets me every fucking time. I would say for me, it's a different song for her. Um, It was the late 90s that she did with Missy Elliott in my business. Those two, they're so different. So fucking different. But they worked so well on that song. And I think it's pretty actually kick-ass music video with that. But that one, let me see what album. That was on her My Love Is Your Love album. Yeah. Yeah, 1998. So yeah, that was... I love that one. 98? Oh my God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, 20 some four years ago. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Crackers and <laughs> Lord. So what are, I mean, I don't want to go on for days because I got my whole list. Like, so Shantae, what's one of your go-to? Like, I'm going to put this on and I'm going to let it play and I'm going to sing along to it type of albums. I love Mary J. Lodge. Mm. <laughs> um, yes. I was six years old when she came out with What's the 411? And then my mother bought the remix album. Well, she ordered the remix album from Columbia House. For those who don't know what Columbia House is. Columbia! I got so much trouble for that. <laughs> And then so my mother, my mother ordered that CD and then my life came. Mm. I mean, I like her stuff now. I think it's okay. But nothing okay. tops her stuff from my childhood. Yeah. Like, my life was so good that my eldest sister would play my life every day that there were scratches, literally scratches on the CD because my eldest sister is seven years older than me, right? <laughs> so keep in mind, 1994, I was eight. She was 15. So she was dating around that time. She was going through it. <laughs> Listening to those songs like, I feel this. I don't want to live without you. Don't leave me. Mm-hmm. Don't go. What is it? Can't live without you. Um, my life is my life. Um, Mary Jane, you bring me joy. I'm the only woman. Um, be happy. I listen to all the stuff on her album. You know, because that's one of my favorite albums of all time. My favorite, because I am an R&B head. So for those who get mad at my post saying like, but why you don't like today's artists? It's not I don't like today's artists. I just can't just buy a whole album. It's but that most of them suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said it. But Jasmine Sullivan don't even count because she's from. She's Germany. been a while. She don't count. So that don't even count. So, and her is good, but I don't think her was really a full R&B artist. She's like R&B, a mixture of pop. So really like R&B is kind of like hanging on a string more than rap. I know. I miss the 90s R&B. Yeah. I do. 70s R&B was dope too. Yeah. You know what? R&B up until like the 2000s, let me, let me take that back because the 2000s had some good R&B. Once the 2010s hit, it started to dip a little bit, right? But yeah. So Katie, what about you? What's one of your, your motherfucking go-tos? Um, totally different from all these two, but and there's some nostalgia to it, but I've always been a huge blues fan. Um, and she's one of my mom's favorite artists, uh, Bonnie Raitt. And I, I've seen her in concert. Holy fucking A, that woman can sing. Like, deep to your soul, like, vibes to her. Um, and my favorite album of her, which has also one of my favorite songs of her, uh, Luck of the Draw, with I, and the song I Can't Make You Love Me. That whole, that whole album I could listen to all the time. But that song, like, it's absolute. I've, I've, I've loved that song since I was little. But just, and even the remakes of it. Like, I'm not usually a remake fan, but Tank. Tate killed it. I will say he did. He killed that song as a remake. But yeah, I saw her in concert with uh, Lyle Lovett in like 2002. Um, 
with my parents, of course, they took me. It was part of my graduation present, but she's she's phenomenal. And she's she's time. Like she's been around since the 70s and is still rocking it out and silky gorgeous and can play guitar. One of the best female guitarists out there anymore. <laughs> I love women who can sing and play instruments. That is my kink. Okay. Yeah. But Bonnie Raitt really does have a, a really good voice. She does. He really does. Like she can sing. And that's one thing you got to say about um, country singers is that for the most part, whether you love their type of music or not, they tend to be real singers. Mm -hmm. Whereas like they're not um, super auto-tuned. Uh, like I say, for the most part, okay. yeah. there's obviously, you know, exceptions to the rule but I do appreciate that country music is heavy on the I can sing I can play an instrument I can write a lyric yeah. type of talent which I I really really yeah. appreciate like I remember one of our greatest writers Dolly Parton I mean she wrote some phenomenal songs that she gave to people like her you know <laughs> Whitney Houston song <laughs> I will always love you <laughs> and oh Jolene too Jolene, yeah. People be made Jolene. Yeah. I love that song. Oh my Her God. new album is actually really good too. I was listening to it a couple weeks ago. It's it's fun. <laughs> but, but I I that's like with gospel music. Like gospel just went that plateau to yeah. it, it, it sucks because I grew up on the Hezekiah Walkers and the Kirk Franklins of the world and even the Clark sisters of the world. When I was watching the Clark Sisters movie, I was like Oh, I sung that song in church because I knew about Dr. Maddie Moss Clark because she's the reason why choirs are split into three sections. Even yeah. it's all in all genres, like who's a soprano, who's a not so, who's a tenor because of Dr. Maddie Moss Clark. What that means. That's cool. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some. Rock has even went shit, two shits in, in, in a matter of seconds because I remember I didn't care for pop music like that, but I I was definitely I like some rock and I ain't gonna lie. Mainstream stuff. Like I can find some really great stuff that, you know, they're not getting the play that they should, but mainstream, yeah. like the stuff that gets played on the radio anymore. But I mean, um, isn't that the 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 trend, right? The people mm -hmm. who really deserve the shine don't always get it. Um, but you know what? Some people that, okay, so there's this thing about fans of music, right? That has always kind of bothered me. So the whole, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm always like, can I just say this shit bothers Absolutely. me? Absolutely. I wanna, like, we're having a positive vibe, but I just want to like tell you what bothers me. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, these berry lemon spritzers. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Seccos have really gotten to me. But when people say that an artist has sold out because their album hit, right? Ah, that shit pisses me off. Because like what? You want every artist, every musician, every singer, every songwriter, what? To just like toil and, and, and strive in fucking poverty their whole life. Like, oh shit, as soon as you hit big and people start to like your music, you're a fucking sellout. Well, isn't that the point? Don't we want people to like <laughs> fucking music? What the fuck? That I shit bothers that. the shit out of me. And so the word pop has a really bad connotation to it because pop, you know, as, as we look at it is this type of like, I, I like to say teeny bopper music, right? <laughs> very catchy, very like dance heavy, like that type of stuff. But really it's just called pop because it got really poppy. Exactly. Right? And so any genre of music, whether it be R&B, hip hop, rock and roll, jazz, blues, whatever it may be, as soon as it becomes really mainstream and very popular and a lot of people like it and know it, Technically, it becomes pop. Yeah. Right? That, that's interesting you bring that up because one of my favorite artists that I was going to talk about, Eve, 
she got called she got called as a sellout because she started doing songs with Gwen Stefani and all these poppy. I was like, she stepped on on her own. She yeah, she did fabulous things with Rough Riders. I mean, that's how I started listening to her because. I absolutely love me some DMX and the whole Rough Riders gang. Yes, Katie was... coming with the Rough Riders <laughs> reference. Absolutely. Like I had, that that was a poster I had hanging up. And I've always been into female artists, female rappers, and she was one of my favorites. And then I was like, oh, she sold out when she started doing stuff with Gwen Stefani. I was like, nah, she branched out on her own. She was, you know, she had her own voice in Rough Riders, but she found a different style that she wanted to focus on and well, she did some great songs after that and still doing some great songs. I mean, she writes a lot of the songs for the show Queens and it's pretty damn good music that they put out. <laughs> I yeah. love Eve. I, I do fucking too. love Eve. She's She's been... I, I miss that she got her tattoos removed, but <laughs> that's a whole story. <laughs> I know why you get rid of the titty tattoos. I know, they were perfect. I'm offended. I'm really offended. <laughs> Seriously. Slighted. I feel slighted. I, I kind of did too when I first started watching Queens and she was wearing something. I was like, did they cover them up? And then I saw a picture of her with her new baby. I was like, oh no, she had them removed. I was like, you became a mom and removed those? That's no fun. <laughs> the absolute nerve. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they fit her style. I mean, oh my mom. gosh. Well, another female artist that I, I've always just, I've been obsessed with since she came out um, and she is of the pop variety. Everybody considers her pop, even though I've seen her do a lot of different types of genres of music, but that's Christina Aguilera, right? So I'm going to say this with a caveat. So she had the misfortune, right, of coming out around the same time as Britney Spears, Jessica Simpson, um, all these other quote unquote pop female artists who were very saccharine, very cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. And they put her in that, in that mold in the beginning. And I, I feel like that was kind of a misstep because I, because I think if they didn't market her as such in the very beginning, she could have a very different trajectory um, in her career path. However, that's not to say that like Christina Aguilera hasn't been fucking phenomenally successful and, you know, popular and everything like that. But if you listen to her albums, not her singles, right? Her singles, it's very contrived, very oh, dirty, want to get, want to get, yeah. which I love. Okay, don't. Mainstream style. Get me wrong. But there is a side of Christina Aguilera that we don't hear a lot. And that's the songwriter side. She writes a lot of lyrics. Very personal. And her voice has range like a motherfucker. Okay. That bitch could sing. Oh, let's just be clear. She is more successful to me than Britney and um, Jessica because she got Grammys. Yeah. That's that okay. sound you hear is me snap, 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 snap. Yes. <laughs> because at least in that sense, the Academy got it right. Because mm-hmm. He writes music. Okay. And her voice is. Listen, nobody's ever going to top Whitney Houston because besides the octave range that she has, there's other singers that also have her octave range. Uh, Celine Dion, yeah, Mariah Carey, Christina Aguilera, right? But they don't have her je ne sais quoi, right? Yeah. So you can't compare it to Winnie, but there are few singers out there that can literally sing you every fucking note on a piano, right? And believe it or not, Christina Aguilera is one of them. And I've seen her in concert a whole bunch of fucking times. Oh, and let's just be clear. She was on the BET's first annual awards because she did the tribute to Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, that's right. If you Google young Christina Aguilera, there's a little, there's video, there's YouTube videos of her as like an 11 or 12 year old little girl on the Mickey Mouse Club 
singing Whitney Houston's I Have Nothing. Okay. I know. I and fucking die. And let's, and let's just also be clear too. She was only one of the, I think the only pop artist that was at the BET Awards. Yes, ma'am. Because Shauna, Justin Bieber wants to be an R&B artist. I'm just like, R&B is a feeling of music. Yeah. And, and, and I say that, and I'm one of those people, like I'm not really into pop music like that because I'm just not into the, the popular sector of music because I am an R&B and hip hop head. 90s, 2000s R&B hip hop head, let's be clear. And I just can say, um, Justin Bieber doesn't fit that Jonas Dickwa. You're not Usher. You will never be Usher. Usher is an actual R&B artist, an actual R&B artist. Not just only your dance, but Usher can sing. Yeah. yeah. There's They're lacking the blues too and the feet yeah and the feeling the feeling that's yeah you know what they're lacking soul yeah it's soul and you know certain artists have it certain artists they just they just don't christina aguilar has more soul she has soul let me tell you something i'm interested with some blues artists oh my god yes like some of her albums are really really blues and jazz heavy mm-hmm. like you have to li- that's what that's what i hate about like the fucking media right they take a snapshot and create whatever image of you it is that they want to make right yep. but really she's a very soulful singer and she is among the top i, I listen i love it's whitney houston Christina Aguilera, Mariah Carey, Celine Dion. Um, Lord, then we start getting to Aretha Franklin, Patti LaBelle. They're, they're whole different. They're 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 weird. If you they're want, to I'm talking about I'm talking about vocal range, vocal range, and purely vocal range, right? And there's a certain sect of singers, right, that can hit certain notes, and then there's every fucking body else. <laughs> Then you think about it, you put Aretha Franklin, Shaka Khan, let's see who else you could put. Um, Patty LaBelle. We got we forgot about Phyllis Hyman and Ooh. we forgot about Anita Baker and Stephanie Mills. Though they got like that church kind of octave that they can bring their gospel in, yes. but they get those notes, their voices can do that. Yep, their voices can do that. That like these little new artists that are just like studio creations they can't hit those notes they can't do it listen i'll be seeing some of them perform and i'm just like so where's the vocals where are the vocals the only ones that still can hit those vocals is jasmine 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 yep jasmine can hit those vocals i mean jasmine wrote for people Jasmine is the only one that's like relevant that still can fit that because Monica can hit the and Monica and Brandy they can hit those vocals too, and I was not the biggest like Brandy fan, but I do love the first album. I'm always gonna love her first album, you know. But she can hit those notes. She can harmonize well, as Monica said, and Monica just can hit those fucking notes. Yeah. And Monica plays an instrument too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, I love instrument players. And the next thing that, that Eliane, you touched on, it's the people in the media music mogul area. They appease to the white consumers, majority of the white consumers. They like to see a popular image, then actually listen to the genre and to the feeling of the music. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes me upset. Like I can appreciate Katie because Katie likes different genres. See, the problem is everybody wants a big ass genre. And that's now, now no. we got one sloppy ass, big ass genre. It's like you can't even, like, I try to listen to 107.5. I try to listen to the radio again. I, I, I can't. No, I, yeah, I need to get a new stereo from a car for one, but <laughs> it is just the radio. But I was just like, I listened to some of those days and it's like, I think back to like Etta James, Ma Rainey those type of women that 
they took their lives, like their real life experiences and pour it into that music. And that was one, that's like Whitney. Whitney had one of the probably most traumatic lives out there. Um, everything that she went through and and stuff. I'm now recently finding out that it was believed she actually had a female lover for a while. Apparently she was bisexual. So, hey, go with me on that. But hey, yeah. <laughs> and But yeah, you, you hear that when that can come through and that's nothing one of the, why I always love blues. Like I went down, my ex, her dad lives down in um, Clarksville, Clarksdale, Mississippi, which for those of you who don't know, you ever heard of the Crossroads where blues singer sells his soul to the devil so he can play the blues at the Crossroads. That's where that originated. And it, I mean, the, the whole museum tour there, there's uh, blues bars there that is the most iconic blues bars in the South. And I've gone down there to listen to some of them, like sitting at uh, Morgan Freeman's bar, Ground Zero, holy crap, there's some amazing blues artists that have gone through there. And it's just like, that's because it's, they, they tell a story through their, through their voice and their soul and, and there's very few artists anymore that really do that. It's like, you know, they hardly put any of that heart into the music. It's just like, eh, uh, you know, some of that stuff is fun dance too. But when it comes to music for me, like stuff that just I can relate to, or I can hear the, the pain and the hurt and the love that they have put into that song. And it's usually the writers that, you know, the ones that actually can write as well, they can put in, it's just like, holy fuck. <laughs> or transform a song that they they read something and they feel it and make it their own. Like Whitney did with I'll Always Love You, like wasn't her original song, but she took it and made it hers because she felt something in that song. And it's a rare talent anymore when it comes to some of these newer artists. It's just like, where'd that go? <laughs> We lost it somewhere. <laughs> it, it is lost. And even um, when Sarah gave her list, which by the way, our panelist, Sarah, um, she's she's sick. So I hope we pray that she recovers. She lists some artists. And even though I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan, I mean, and, and it's no shame. I'm just, I just don't relate to her music. Like I relate mm -hmm. to her sister's music. Yeah. But, you know, the girl, you know, she's talented. The woman is talented. I mean, she can play instrument. You know, she can perform. She can dance very well. She has very crowd participation when she has a concert. I I'm sorry, I'm not paying $1,500, $2,000 for no fucking tickets. She's a product and she's made herself a product. She's you phenomenal. She that shit on HBO. Yeah. Or, um, nobody's not paying. Her Netflix special is great, by the way. Concerts <laughs> are ridiculous now, but I do love. You know, even though I agree with you, Shantae, I do agree with you that I don't think, oh God, the Beyonce fans are going to come after me. Like she is ridiculously talented, but she doesn't have the best voice and she doesn't have the best lyrics either. However, I appreciate what she does and I enjoy it. But if I had to pick like a top five, I don't think that she would be on my top five. I, I really, Elena, really, really don't. I don't. I agree with you. My top five, I already, you, my top five is going to be Mary. It's going to be, let's see, Anita. Mm -hmm. It's going to be Shaka. It's going to be Phyllis. Ooh. Ooh. I love Phyllis, okay? Ooh. Phyllis is a shit. And people like, who's that? Watch Unsung. Watch TV One's Unsung. And of course, I always want to love Aretha. Yeah. Like, who don't love Daydreaming? You know how many people revamp Daydreaming? And I'm just, even Mary revamped it. And I think Mary did okay, but it's nothing like Anita's. Like, I think Donnie Hathaway wrote that song for her. Donnie Hathaway wrote a lot of songs for a lot of people. That's another artist who was gone too soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, listen, I'm, one of my top female artists also is La India. And she sings salsa music. She's from Puerto Rico and I fucking love her. She's that bitch and her voice can hit. A lot of people discount that Caribbean music 
right? When it comes to level of vocal talent, but we have some, we have some. And she is Selena when Selena was alive. Selena Selena was great, but her vocal range wasn't that wide. And that's okay because she knew that. And that's what I like about certain artists is like, you know what, where your range is and you just fucking belt it out in your range. Stay in your range. <laughs> Let's make that a new thing. Stay in your range. Don't try to go outside of your range because if you know how to stay in your range, you're going to be successful. Right? Mary stays in her range. She Mary does. Mary she does. Even SWV and people sleep yeah. on them. Oh my God. Like their voices. I was, when I watched Versus, by the way, you also watch Versus. Like you could tell they all sound the same. And I thought Coco, Coco thought she wasn't, she was unsure to reach that range. I'm like, no, you still got it at 51 years old, Coco. (laughs) And you got it, you got it. You got it. it. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Unapologetically She. We just enjoyed the, the music, the fun part of us. You know, sometimes you get the serious part of us, but you know, we are fun people. We do deliver in a very interesting and colorful way. But now we're at the portion of our interview where we have a person that most of us follow that we well respect that I have been watching with five other people since the 2020 <laughs> primaries in the election. And besides that, she is a musician. I don't want to say inspiring, but she is. She is a DJ. And she is no other than the Sydney A, a.k.a. Donatella. Hello, madam. Welcome. What is going on? Um, how, are, how, are, how are you guys tonight? We're well. Uh, most of us just came from work. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, I understand. At New York Transit. Um, I'm I lucky. I, you know, I don't even like to be saying it because I'm living the dream that most people can only imagine, but don't actually have. I walk to and from work. Me too. Wow. <laughs> it's the best thing in the oh, world. You do? Oh, <laughs> but I'm I live in Harlem, so that's kind of hard to do. <laughs> wow. I can, yeah. I can walk from my house to my job. I just don't want to because it's rush hour. I'll do that when it's like a Friday. Like I'll walk from like my job is like near Bryant Park and I live on the Upper West Side. So, but I still vote in Harlem though because I utilize gym. I go to church in Harlem. So I know that's right. There you go. <laughs> so there you have I, it. I never forget the day I walked over. The, I, I, did we walk over the Williamsburg Bridge? I don't even remember. I know I did a whole lot of walking and a whole lot of train riding, and I saw folks climbing on the 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 the, the ropes and well, not the ropes the bars on the a train and the two train over by newkirk i, I kick it in brooklyn a lot shout oh, out yeah, to you was in brooklyn. yeah i love brooklyn 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 new york is is that's that's my stomping grounds especially like flatbush garden shout out to my uncle like out there you know i new york is a is a is a whole it, it's a it's a different beast it's a different beast that it is that it i is. love it and so see i'm from chicago so <laughs> You know, I, you know, New York has that same kind of, you know, grittiness that I'm used to, you know, that Midwestern grittiness. And I traded all of that for the Peach State. So you guys were fighting in, in, in transit and I'm fighting Atlanta traffic <laughs> because nobody <laughs> takes the Martin down here. We don't have adequate transportation, uh, public transportation and everybody has a car. And Atlanta is known for being one of the worst cities for traffic in the country. Next so, to Boston, yes. in LA. So there you got it. Yes. Yeah. So ho- hopefully, hopefully our, our 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 lovely leaders uh, will will consider that, and maybe we'll get some uh, we'll get some expansion on the martyr coming down this way soon. But we will see. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> see. Well, thank you for being here with us, and, and so we're just gonna pick your brain. You know, you're a friend of the networks, a friend of the show, and we're definitely thank excited. Um, and so we were just finishing up a segment on some favorite female musicians. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you know, t- I'm gonna start off the first question, just asking you, who are your biggest uh, musical influences? 
Like, oh man, influenced your style. I would honestly and truly say there is a there is just a litany of women that have truly shaped who I am, and I, I can I can just name off a few. These are these are no this is nobody in any particular order. Uh, but you know, obviously, Aliyah. You know, I was born in 1992, so shout out to all the the eight, late 80s babies and early 90s babies who you know who were super influenced. You know, by uh, Miss Hawkins, um, you know, presence here and God rest her soul. Um, may she forever live through the music and through our art and may we continue her legacy. Um, I would say, uh, obviously Missy Elliott, you know, Missy and I are actually, you know, connected. We have been connected for about 10 years now. Um, and she was one of the first in the music industry to really, really give me, um, like an open door kind of, you know, to, to her, you know, and, and, and I know that she's, you know, been actively involved in watching, you know, my growth as an artist and, you know, hopefully, you know, when we, when we get to talking about, um, budgets later on, you know, that would, she would be one of the first, um, in the industry that I would want to connect with, um, Whitney Houston. I mean, the voice, the vocal, you know, she is the voice, um, Shaka Khan. Shaka was, you know, really, really, really prevalent, um, in my household. Etta James, really prevalent in my household growing up, uh, Minnie Ripperton, really prevalent, um, TLC, Janet Jackson, uh, goodness gracious, I have so many different influences, Tony Braxton, um, I, I, I was on tour with Adina Howard in 2015, and I've talked a lot about her influence on, you know, me wanting to explore more Right, exactly. More sexually explicit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So you're a freak I, I, in the morning, a freak in the evening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny that y'all say that because I actually I, I had to do her sound check in 2015 at a show that we did in Milwaukee. Shout out to Adina Howard. She is a gem. She is really about everything that she says she about. That's that's one Scorpio woman that she is absolutely that girl to this day. Um, and so, you know, Adina was another, you know, big influence for me and, and another black woman in the industry who really kind of took me under her wing, uh, very early in my career, you know, I got it. She gave me a chance to intern for her. So, um, I've been influenced by, you know, a lot of people. I would even say, you know, the Braxton, Braxton sisters as well, you know, um, uh, and that, that's, you know, sending love to, you know, the late, uh, Tracy Braxton, um, you know, God rest her soul as well. Um, but yeah, that, those would be like the main influences for me. Anybody in the, in the 90s, Brandy, Monica, Mariah Carey, any, any black woman, Maya, uh, that you guys saw that was, you know, that was in rotation on BET. I, I drew from all of those influences. I'm a, I am a student of the game. So I study all of these different things and I embrace all of these different sounds and that is why I, you know, I'm not just into, you know, the performance aspect, but I wanted to get my hands really, really, really dirty with the production side and the writing side as well. I tell people all the time, I'm not just an, uh, a, a singer or a performer. Writing songs is my trade. So that's, you know, that's pretty much, I'm, I'm just, I'm all over the place. So I can't really pinpoint anybody <laughs> because I can find, I draw influence from anybody that is really, any, 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 any singer that is really expressing soul, I'm going to find a connection there. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that on previously in this, about that soul. And yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, you. you mentioned some, obviously some of us follow your mom as well. And obviously she was probably playing some fantastic music as you were growing up. Absolutely. <laughs> so when did you realize that that was kind of something that you wanted to move yourself into being a, into music and into the industry? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, actually. Um, so I actually started singing when I was five years old. I started singing church hymns in the house. And mm-hmm. like um, yeah, it was it was one of those things where I was a little kid. I didn't really know what I was actually doing, but I just, you know, I started singing. And my great-grandmother, Alma Thomas, uh, she actually discovered my voice. She was the first person in my family to recognize that I actually had a talent for voice and, 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 and vocals and singing. And I'll never forget the day that she told me, you know, specifically that I had this gift. She had tears in her eyes. And I was like, I didn't understand what was going on. I was a little kid. I was like five or six years old. And she was just, she was so, she was so overwhelmed. And I, I, I remember that to this day, you know, as an adult, how that, how that impacted me. And then from there, 
I just latched onto it. Like I, I knew that I liked what I was doing. I would make up songs, I would write. And then I started performing live music when I was nine years old. Um, at 12 years old, I was then having conversations with um, modeling agencies, uh, agencies uh, that were funneling for television. And uh, uh, we got picked up for a Disney show that never got greenlit, unfortunately. Um, had a conversation that same year with um, Aliyah's uncle, Barry Hankerson, over at Black Round Records. Um, he was one of the first in the industry. I also talked to Master P that year. He probably doesn't even remember who I am, but um, I remember I remember being in the studio. Um, that was the first year that I actually got into a professional studio. I started my uh, career in actually Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, where my family actually had a home. Uh, we still have a home there, but we're, we're, we're in the process of selling it. Um, but yeah, you know, Albuquerque gave me a launching pad um, and those deals didn't really go through. Uh, it wasn't, there just wasn't a good match for me at that age. And so my mom was like, okay, we're going to wait a little longer for it for, you know, until you mature a little bit. And then at 16, I was actually signed to an independent label, uh, by the name of POJ Pops House Records out of, uh, Chicago. And that was, that was how I got my start. So mm -hmm. I've been, it's been one of those things where I've been involved with it. My entire, I've been immersed with this my entire life. There's, I don't, I don't really think that there's ever been a time that I never saw myself in this career. Um, I've always thought, you know, I was like, I told my mom when I was like four or five, I was like, I want to be a tennis player. I want to, I want to be a meteorologist and I want to sing. So I started a fitness line. So there's the tennis there's, you know, there's a sports <laughs> aspect. Um, I am a climate justice activist. So there's the meteorology. And now I'm in the process of releasing an album. So I did exactly what I said I was going to do. <laughs> even, though, even though folks thought it was a pipe dream, I did exactly what I said I was going to do. So I honored, I honored that, that young girl, that child in me. And I stuck to, you know, all of the things that made me passionate. But, you know, the one thing that really resonated with me the most out of all of those things was the music. But I've been able to manage to honor to honor everything that I've, that I've always wanted to do. And um, it was important for me to to acknowledge my great grandmother's influence uh, there because I'm also named after her. So my stage name is an ode to my grandmother. My name is Sydney Alma and I go by Sydney A as a means of keeping her, her spirit and her and her legacy and the legacy of my grandfather and my grandparents alive. Um, they are no, unfortunately they are no longer here uh, to see this dream fulfilled, but that's that's a way of, you know, that, that, that letter A is a way of me keeping those angels on my, uh, on my shoulder. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. So, Sydney, we're going to shift this, right? All right. So, you know, you were a, you're a big Kamala Harris supporter, like all of us on this panel. Yes, ma'am. Both of us on this network. So, with that being said, you were early supporter and let's let's get it up and when you when uh, Kamala Harris dropped out instead of stopping you kept on going and before the election you and five other people that included Reese, Kenny, Drew, Heather, Maya you know you created live with the K-Hive and you advocated and educated folks on Senator Har Kamala Harris's record but after she was selected as Biden's VP. You guys converted the show, call it Biden Harris Watch. That's correct. HW. Looking back now, do you feel was it worth it? Because I'm pretty. I'm. I watched every Friday night. I'm just letting you know religiously. I literally was like commenting. I was watching while I was doing my laundry. Sometimes Love I was taking that. out my hair, getting ready to get it redone the next day. <laughs> you know. I love that. How do you guys, and while ordering food, so it was, it was a Friday night ritual. So do you feel great about it and ex like elaborate on that? Yeah, that's such a great question to ask. You know, we don't, I don't get a lot of um, questions about, you know, that particular uh, platform that we built. Um, and honestly and truly, I think that pivoting in the way that we did was absolutely necessary for the job that we needed to get done. You know, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of division. There was a lot of, um, in my opinion, amongst different like groups of supporters when everybody was just like, you know, when, when, when VP was selected on the ticket, 
you know, everybody was, there, there was a lot of like noise around like, you know, well, you know, this person should have been in this position. This person should have been here. This person should have been here and it shouldn't have been her. You know, there was, there was just a lot of different, there was a lot of high emotions, you know, people who felt like, you know, their candidate of choice should have been selected for VP or th this person should have been selected for VP and so on and so forth. And so we made a collective effort as a group to make sure that we were sticking to what the what the purpose of the platform was initially was to really engage as many voters as possible when you know when 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 it went when it shifted from we're solely VP Harris's platform and she has now dropped out we thought pragmatic in a way in a way you know we were like okay this is you know our candidate of choice is no longer in the running. So we have to we have to think about things strategically here on what's gonna get us to that next level, what's gonna get us this win. Because at the end of the day, we have to make sure that we are defeating and, and holding the line against fascism um, and holding the line against the Republican party um, and holding the line against, you know, uh, and, 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 and trying to, you know, stop this hemorrhaging of everything, our rights, everything, the courts, everything. Like we were, we were, we, we all came together and we all had a decision we all came into to the decision, you know, we were all pretty heated. Um, you know, I can remember when I got the notification that she dropped, I was actually at work. I was still working for Uber at the time. And I was actually at lunch and I could, I can remember vividly how sick I was in my stomach. I was like, no, we just, you know what I mean? Like it was so, there was so much going on. And I think we had to really make a decision on what was best for the entire country not just best for our egos or even egos of other people involved we were like you know what our goal is to get democrats in the white house no matter what the situation is even if we've got to pivot away exactly from you know just supporting kamala and what she does in her record we have to you know and vp harris i should say i'm sorry um you know we have to just think about what's best for everyone and so that's where the pivot came from um i don't regret it at all um, I built a lot of friendships, a lot of uh, loving, supporting friendships with with people throughout this time. You know, folks from you know different groups, uh, different uh, backgrounds, different um, you know political campaigns. Um, it, it was it was a it was one of those moments in my life that really changed my life for the better. Um, and I just I, I I took to action because I had a platform already, and I wanted to see actionable change. I felt like with this platform, with my music, with my audience, I didn't want to just be, you know, a, uh, a celebrity, so to speak, that just doesn't add anything to the world. I, I, I cared about how these laws and things I still do, you know what I mean? I, I really do. I care about how these laws and how politics affects my listeners. You know, I thought about like, you know, if, if we don't get COVID under control, how am I going to, go on tour. You know, I don't want to put people at risk for coming to see me. You know, how, you know, if the economy is, is broken, you know, even in that light, how are people going to pay for streaming services? How are they going to pay for merch? Are they going to be able to have, you know, support, you know, they're going to be able to support me or, you know, are they going to have to pick between getting tickets to my show and, and putting groceries in their, in their house? Like those are things that I thought about. I thought about my audience because I care about people who, who, you know, engage with my art because I love what I do. I do it for, you know, I became a professional musician for the people, you know, to share this gift with the world. So my goal was always just preventative action and protecting the most vulnerable people who, you know, who I may inspire one day, you know, I, I would get DMs from people who are, you know, on their last. And I've met so many different people who have gone through so many different things. And I've gone through trials and tribulations myself. And it just was such a human connection, a human experience. And, you know, with, you know, I'm just, I, I look, I view myself as a, you know, as a regular smuggler girl with an extraordinary talent. Um, and so I felt in my heart that it was necessary for me to do something to affect real change and not just be, you know, a part of the status quo, like many of my colleagues in the industry like to just fall into, you know, it's very easy to just, you know, forget that the world exists when you're in a club in Atlanta every week and you're throwing, you know, 50 grand at a, you know, in, in, in the club and, you know, you've got the bottles coming out and you've got everything handed to you because you're, you know, because of this talent that you have and, you know, what you do for the world. But at the end of the day, that has a shelf life. You know what I'm saying? You, you, it's, it's not going to last. So you, you've got to, your, your, your legacy and your impact when you're in this space, it, you have to, you, you have to 
exercise those things very responsible. You can't be a detriment to the community that you're serving. And as an artist, I'm still a, I'm still a public servant. I, I do view myself that way. So that was my motivation with, you know, with joining the panel and, you know, and doing that every Friday night. And I, um, I, I consider that some of my best work yet. Ah, beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you. Thanks, Sid. So this ends the portion of our interview. And if you want more of the Sydney Ace interview, you can check out our Patreon. But before we end this portion of our interview, Sydney, is there anything you want to plug? Because I know you got a lot of stuff to plug. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, again, ladies, thank you so much for having me on. I, I don't know if we're going to continue the conversation, but this was awesome. I am, uh, you know, I'm super excited to sit down, especially to talk to a, you know, woman-led pl platform, you know, a multiculturally woman-led platform with women of color, Black women, you know, white women, all of us, you know what I'm saying? All of us together. Uh, so I appreciate you, you guys offering me an opportunity to uh, be here and be in this space. Uh, I am in the process of working on my debut project uh, that will be released hopefully by the end of this year, uh, entitled Do Not Disturb. I do have a single on the horizon, so it will be available on all streaming services uh, no later than October 1st. We're in the process. It's in pre-mix, so we're, we're, we're getting it done. Um, and uh, so that'll be available on all streaming platforms. It'll be available on YouTube as well. We'll have a visual for it. Um, and yeah, my website will be up within the next couple of weeks as well. So that's pretty much it. If you, if you, um, if you would like to follow me, you know, on my handles, I'm uh, at the Sydney A on Twitter and uh, the Sydney A live on Instagram. Excellent. <laughs> well, thanks, Sydney. So thank you for joining us on this portion of the interview. Like I said, you want more? Check us out on Patreon. You can go patreon.com slash thejoyfulshe. You can start. There's different tiers that you can start to join us. Come on. This is like we're like in the midst of like the ending the first season. I mean, what are y'all missing? Yeah, I know, and you know so. you want to hear more from Sydney A, so get you <laughs> a Patreon subscription. Yes. Word. So thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Unapologetically She. I'm Eliane. I'm Shantae. I'm Sarah. I'm Lauren Ashley. I'm Katie. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at the T-H-E-E -E, Joyful She. Again, at the T-H-E-E -E, Joyful She. We'll see you online.